Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Celtic state of mind. Kevin Graham, it seems like ages since we've been on. It's only been a weekend, and a weekend is a long time in the world of Celtic. There is loads to catch up on, so much so that I almost did a stream yesterday just because I felt like I was missing <laughs> out on something, right? Um, I couldn't do a stream on Saturday. I'm going to start the show off, Kev, because for anybody who watches a Celtic state of mind who doesn't know, you have been really intrinsically involved for a long, long time um, in the affiliation of Celtic supporters clubs. And you know a lot of the people in and around um, that network of people, people out in the Fife area, up in Oban, um, kind of like from outside of the Glasgow area that run Celtic supporters clubs. Uh, they, and they, they folk that are not allowed to support Celtic because they haven't got a G postcode. Right, that's exactly why that affiliation was set up. Am I wrong? Yes, it was. It, no, yes. no, you're right. Eh? <laughs> so obviously back in the day, and you're jumping on various supporters' buses, and I've been on loads of different ones for long periods, for one-off games. However, you could get to Celtic Park, you jumped on a supporters' bus and you did it. And that, that was the end of it. And uh, I remember when I first wrote my Quality Street Gang book, Kev, it gave me an opportunity to thank a lot of the people when I was a bit of a younger spud and I wasn't maybe with my dad or my uncle or my cousins. And they would kind of take you under their wing and take you to the game. You know these types of people, Jockey Munyan, Andy Munyan, and all these guys. So the daily departed, by the way. So I'm um, at this wedding on Saturday, and it's a boy you know through the supporters uh, clubs. It was Willie Carberry. So a big shout out to Willie and Steph who got married on Saturday. And what I enjoyed as well as the wedding is catching up with all these old school Celtic fans that I used to go to the games with in the 80s mm-hmm. and the 90s. These are people, Kev, who have been going to the game 40, 50 years, but nobody knows who they are on Twitter. It doesn't matter to them. No, These guys no. are 
died in the wheel. Um, Celtic supporters and some of the stories you could tell about the supporters' buses could fill a book and they would be pretty uh, hilariously funny. So big shout out to all the Cabries, all the Cusicks, uh, Paddy Murphy, Kenny Wilson, all the guys that I spoke to, and Chopsy as well. Chopsy. Chopsy, like Chopsy, yes, like all the guys. <laughs> all the guys and girls who uh, follow Celtic. And every single one of them, Kev, came up to me. And by the way, I was also with... Um, there was quite a few Manzi brothers at the, the wedding as well. Big shout out when you're doing your window cleaning round as well, pal. It was good to catch up with you. Everybody that came up to me, Kev, right? Obviously, there was one subject to discuss, and it was who was going to be the next manager at Celtic. And it was it was intriguing to get different views on it because these guys... I've not seen these guys for a long time, most of them. And they've got their, their, you know, they started going to watch Celtic in 75, one of them was telling me. Every single one of them that I asked would take Brendan Rodgers back. And that's why I'm opening up this segment of the show by talking about the story that broke over the weekend about Brendan Rodgers. Now, I've been asked, I think, twice. I was asked on uh, the BBC podcast with John Collins if I would take Brendan back, and I said yes. Is, is that a name drop there? JC, I uh, it is actually you in the JC. I wouldn't mind JC. JC's got a great head of hair. You go on about Jota and, and Harry Kuehl and Charlie McGrew. JC had a great fosh as well, and he still does. It's just a wee bit greyer. Um, and I was asked by Tam and Stuart on Off the Ball, and I said, yes, I would take him. I would take Brennan Rodgers. And we're going to talk about it. I don't know what your thoughts are right now. I'm going to start off, though, with regards to... The names that we've seen, this story in particular, it's pretty clear this time round, Kev, there is a list of candidates. We are going through a recruitment process rather than all the eggs in the one basket as we did with Eddie Howe. Yes, there does seem to be a recruitment process, but whether it's the correct recruitment process and whether the recruitment process will come to the correct answer, we do not know. I found myself agreeing with you and Murray this morning, Paul. I need to go and have a bath after a green. You and Murray is the heart supporting golf. The golf correspondent, correspondent. yes, uh, the golf correspondent for the for the Guardian, and he came up. I'm, I'm sure he must listen to Axom or either that he listens to. I can't remember who says it. I'm going to give Tony Haggerty credit for saying this. He says we're an analog club in a digital age, yeah. and that's how you and Murray signed off his Guardian article today. All right. So, so who was he talking uh, about, Kev? He was talking about Celtic and yeah. how, even with Poster Coglu, we are still we still give a manager too much power, and there should needs to be a director of football there. Blah blah blah. This and that. It's obviously just you and Murray having a go go at go at us, eh? But for me, for once in his life, he actually made a couple of salient points. I went, that's the kind of way I was thinking as well that we need to. We need to start treating managers as assets who will disappear and leave if they're successful and we've got to make sure the structures behind them that that's going to be the case, that we have to plan for two, three-year cycles, no five-year cycles, and that means that you have to get the back the, the backroom in place, which is not going to constantly change. Um, and I'm not talking about the coaching backroom, I'm talking about the analytics stuff, the sports science stuff, the scouting stuff, the, 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 the main... The stuff that you didn't see where you see all these guys that appear on the pitch. When you look at when uh, Man City bought the, the Champions League final on uh, Saturday night. Did you watch it? Did you yes, watch it? Yes, it was, it was dreadful. Eh? 
Well, I you, were, you, 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 you were enjoying yourself a good Fife knees up. And he's um, up. There was no, there was no scrapping, by the way. Brilliant. Oh, disappointed. No scrapping. Oh, was there a steak pie buffet? There was definitely a buffet later on, but by that point, I was I was just thinking about getting home, mate. I had the car. I wasn't oh, going to be filling my face with bacon butties. But anyway, uh, I did uh, miss uh, the game. It was dreadful, an utterly dreadful game of football. Uh, I'm quite glad it didn't go into extra time. But the size of the backroom staff that you saw in Man City had, and you see the size of the backroom staff that Celtic have when they appear on the park and that mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. We've got to make sure that's top quality, and we've got to make sure that kind of get pilfered and left when the manager decides to up sticks and go, yeah. which might actually happen again with Postacoglu. I think what worries me as I don't think we've maybe moved on from we only use certain agents and certain agencies to buy players. Postocoglu had a great mind of the market that he went to. And I think everybody else also, so, also came from the same agent that he worked with, that he's had worked with before. Eh? So that really needs to change for whoever we bring in next. Um, so I, I, mean, I agree with you and Murray when he actually says that. I, mean, I think you could be right here. Instead of we need to spend on the infrastructure and make sure that infrastructure stays in place. We need to become a modern football club and we can't just put all our eggs in the basket. Yeah. Here's a new boss, same as the old boss, and he, then he disappears. Eh? I think, see, when people talk about the director of football, and I know Kevin McCluskey wrote a blog about it over the weekend. I think that is all encapsulating, Kev. So all these other positions you're talking about, all these things that you want to see as constants with the variance being the variables rather being than maybe the manager and his coaching team and the players. So all the other positions, you want them to be fixed. Um, and not only fixed with regards to how well they do the job, but it's all about the the philosophy, the style of play. All these things are there. Then you bring in the right candidates for the positions of manager, coach, right back, goalie, whatever it might be. So yeah, I think when sometimes we lump it all in, to director of football, but what we actually mean is the whole structure, don't we, of, of the football have, side of things. A, we, all, we all slag Red Bull and on all of that, and we all slag the City group, but they've got an identity. I they quite, know, I, the thing is, then, I prefer, Kev, I prefer all the flavoured Red Bulls to the original. You know, I quite like like the coconut one and all that. I think the original one's quite sickly. Don't know what you think. Nah, I've never been a Red Bull. I, I agree with you, it's a bit sickly. It is. Especially, it, I mean, as you're just bringing back PTSD. Imagine Iron Brew doing it, Stuff though. like that. <laughs> Iron Brew doing it, taking clubs under their wing. I think they, could, they, they, could, they, they could combat this Red Bull thing by having, like, proper Scottish teams under their <laughs> wing. Red Bull, Queen's Park. I could see it, you know. Iron Brew, Queen's Park. Iron Brew, Queen's Park. Absolutely. So, no, it's, a, it's a whole about an identity, a club, an ethos, a club, and I sometimes feel that we've been kind of flapping about in the dark, uh, being reactive rather than proactive at, at doing stuff like this. And we've got it right. We must admit, we have got it right. And that could just be because we're a massive fish in a big pond. Mm. Uh, and, and a wee pond, sorry, a massive fish in a wee pond could just be that we've got we've got lucky a couple of times. Uh, but so have we got lucky? Uh, have we got lucky because we haven't won a knockout tie in Europe for 20, 20 years? So are we just? Is this just we just do enough to keep ahead of the competition in Scotland? 
and the way that we work just keeps us ahead of the competition in Scotland without making a decent inroad into Europe. Um, and maybe that's what I want to change. I maybe want to see the structure changing, which means if the manager leaves in two and a half years, then we've already... And this is what I like about this list of candidates that we've actually got. Mm-hmm. There's some complete and utterly ones you go, oh, wow, where did that come from? That, that's quite that's quite a strange one. That That's... Mm, you have been looking at a list. You have been watching somewhere. Yeah, and I'll, I'll I'll run through each of them, and I'll get your thoughts on each of the candidates that we're aware of, Kevin. And, and by the way, I, I, I stress and underline that part that we're aware of. There's always a few names that come out later on in the day. But if you look at the board of football club and the structure there, and how they've got a business plan, right? They've got a, a plan financially for the infrastructure of the club, and that board, you know, the, the changes within that board are minimal. And, and you look at the way that the football just completely changes. It's interchangeable all the time. And it's just about having more of a fixed structure within the football department because what you can then do, Kev, is there's no square pegs and round holes when it comes to ambition. So the ambition of the football department needs to match the ambition of the board. Otherwise, there's going to be conflict and there's going to be ego battles and all this kind of stuff because one person, we're going to be talking about Rogers, and this is him and his first spell, was trying to push the envelope time and time and time again when it came to transfers near the end of his time, maybe in the second half of his tenure at Celtic, whereas the board were never ever going to push to a £12 million player. I think they'd already done that with Edward to nine, which would have been the limit at that point. But Ed, you know, Rogers constantly tried to push it. And if there is a structure there, that's a clear and definitive structure in the football department. The manager that comes in knows what the limits are, but crucially knows what the ambitions are because I'm not sure up to now, we've spoken about European aspirations since day one on a Celtic state of mind, you and I, and I still don't know what the the club's ambitions are in Europe, Kev, and we talk about it all the time. What are the club's ambitions in Europe? The sellers is a Champions League club. Mm-hmm. That's what they, that's what they try to sell us as, and you go, no, we actually have sort of, apart from a couple of wee forays where we've, we've ended up in the last sixteen, which is like bank, which is coming on ten year ago now. Would it be this ten year ago that knew how to do it. This man right here. Why have I got an old Celtic view? Because I'm looking at the week Strachan was announced as a Celtic manager. And I'm looking back at that, Kev, right? And I'm looking at aspirations and what he was promising and what he tried to deliver. And it's always interesting to look back on that. There's an interview in that magazine there with Peter Lowell, for example. There's an interview with outgoing manager Martin O'Neill. And it's interesting to see how that translates uh, all these years later. So I'm looking at that. It probably will end up on a blog at some point. But I'm also going to show you this, right? What's unusual about this advert for the new Umbro kit? I'm going to make it a wee bit closer, right, to the screen. What's unusual about that advert for the new Nike Celtic kit? So that would have been the first Nike home kit, right? Because remember, the last game under O'Neill was the Dundee United Mm -hmm. Scottish Cup final. What I'm going to ask, actually, I'll throw this out. What is unusual about that advert on the back of the Celtic view with the Nike? Do you need your Gregory Pecks on? What's unusual about that? So that's the Nike kit that uh, you'll maybe think back on to the likes of Nakamura, um, I think he's Zoraski. You got it? I've got it. What is unusual about that picture there on the back of that that particular magazine? Why have I got that 
That's because we're going to be talking to Gordon Stracker at the end of this month. And I've got to say, over the last couple of weeks, the tickets have been flying. I'm not just saying that to try and push up the sales. They are going to sell out. If you want to come along, ticket link is underneath this particular video. Kev, you've been at quite a few of them. They're always good nights, the actual nights, aren't they? And yes. um, have a think about that. What is the unusual thing about the back of that Celtic view? The week Stracken was announced. Okay. And by the way, he's wearing a blue Paul Smith shirt. Uh, I remember Tony Mowbray talking about the choice of colour when you signed for Celtic. Strachan didn't care. Right, here we go. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Stephen McGonagall, you're in on the YouTube channel. Thanks for getting involved. If you want to comment on the channel, subscribe to YouTube and you can do it. Give us a thumbs up as well because it always helps. Bring them back. Best name in the frame. Now, you're talking, of course, Stephen, about Brennan Rodgers, whose name is on the tagline today. How would you feel about a Brendan Rodgers return to Celtic? A few people, I think, are maybe just starting to, to watch the Axom live bulletins. We always start on a weekday at 12.30 because some of that uh, is coming through in the questions. 12.30 start, unless, of course, something happens like Ange leaves the building and we did an emergency pod last Monday, Kev, because it's a week since that happened. Or... Oh. When the new gaffer comes in, I'm pretty sure we'll jump on and do an emergency broadcast as well. Stephen Sloan, I say an emergency broadcast, like, you know, one of these three-minute warnings. No, it's Celtic, but it's important to us, right? So it's an emergency of the nation. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Stephen Sloan, good to have you back. Are we seriously bidding for players and we don't even have a manager? Now, there is that bit, isn't there, when a manager leaves Kev? I remember it when Ronnie Dyla came in. And, you know, we were still buying players. We were still doing deals with the likes of Craig Gordon. There is always going to be that bit. And I think even before Ange comes in, there's that process where the, the gaffer comes in, there's a few legacy signings that they've not really had any say in. Um, so Stephen, I think, raises a pertinent point here. You know, it's not like you can press pause on your transfer dealings, is it? You, there, there is maybe some work still to be done. Or do you think that's a bit risky? It's maybe a bit risky for the player, uh, as I'm going to call him Luke Shaw again, Liam Shaw, and the, the two lads for Sheffield Wednesday are testament to that. There's probably a big risk for the player. But then again, it wouldn't be a risk for a player if he was coming into a club with a structure who had a long, who had a long history of playing football a certain way, and he knows that he fits that system, and it wouldn't matter what coach was, that was coming in, he was going to fit that coach's style. So yeah. I, it's, I think it's risky for the player. I don't think it's risky for the club. Uh, I mean, I would fully expect the club to have the infrastructure to be talking to players if they don't have a head coach and still willing to actually sell the club to these players on because they're not going to completely rip it up and start again. So I think on that case, I think it's the players that are taking a massive gamble when no maybe the club. I'm going to say something there. You made a good point, right? Selling the club to players, right? And it's again, it's a discussion point I had over the weekend with some of the old school um, Celtic fans that get on the West Five Villages buses, um, all the wee mining communities. And what we're talking about is, right, so there's a clutch of players there, Kev. If you look at the recruitment of Ange Postacoglu since he came to the club, 
Um, there's a, a clutch of players who are undoubtedly coming to Celtic because of Andy's influence. I think that's safe to say when you look at the, the six players we brought in from the Japanese league, mm-hmm. ha, you know, had Ange not been at Celtic, we probably wouldn't have been aware of them, never mind making an, a, an approach. Uh, had we made an approach, I'm pretty sure they would have seen a move to European football as a good move for their careers. But they were they were very much motivated and generated by Ange Postecoglou. I think all the other players, bar none, are signing for Celtic, Kev. They're signing for Celtic. They're not signing for Ange. Now, I know Ange had a conversation with Joe Hart on the phone, but that's not because... You know, it was in the in the balance. We could have signed Hart a season before we did, you know, but we didn't. It wasn't because Hart turned us down. I think they're signing for Celtic. So in terms of people being fearful of, Ange comes in and he's got a really good recruitment record. I would suggest there's a few, but there's a over the piece, Kev. I think recruitment. I think there's maybe a podcast or a discussion around the second season recruitment, incidentally. But I think over the piece, the recruitment has been good under Ange, but they're signing for Celtic. Take it the Japanese players are signing for Celtic. Well, you could, you could even say the Japanese players are just signing for a European club. They, they're seeing it as a, a, a route to Europe. And the reason that they're getting that route to Europe is because we have a manager who knows that market. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, they're signing for Postacoglu because Postacoglu says, I know you from this league. But they're also having a look at it going, this is a, this is a route into Europe. This is a route into where we to the Champions League, to European football and stuff like that. So they could still be signing for Celtic and Postacoglu leaving might not actually be that big a thing for them because now they're here and now they're established here. Mm-hmm. And maybe for the players that are players that were linked with from the J League or, or stuff like that are now gone, that bridge is now burnt. We we kind of get that move to Celtic now because we might Celtic might not be in that market anymore, depending who they bring in. So these guys, I, I, these guys might be in a conflicted mind. Either the guy who brought them here's left, or they might be going, "I stuff it, he's left, but I'm in Europe now. I'm I'm here. I'm yeah. not going anywhere. I, I'm I'm going to I'm 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 here. I'm here to move on. I'm here to actually have a great time. I'm here to win things. So." I didn't see it really being a big deal for them because they're professional football players with their own ambitions. Mm-hmm. So the manager goes, that happens in football. But they've got the chance in Europe. They've got the chance here now. See, I'm going to bring up more of the comments. Um, I'm really, really keen to hear everybody's thoughts on some of the breaking news over the weekend. Um, I want to talk about the source of this particular story with Brennan Rogers because that is, I think, very important in terms of taking the, the report seriously because he is, a, for me, a very credible source when it comes to Celtic, Stephen McGowan. Um, but you made a point there regarding the Japanese market. Now, I've said before, Kev, right, the man on the front of that Celtic view, Gordon Strachan, he brought in Shansuke Nakamura. I think, I'm pretty sure, the first ever Japanese player to come to Celtic, right? Mm-hmm. We, I know we did bring in Koki Mizuno as well, right? around about that time later on he wasn't much of a success he's probably still playing Mizuno I think um, he, but had a great game. he had a great game at Falkirk one, one he day. did didn't he remember we were, were we wearing the Bumblebee that night I think we were no yellow it was yellow, and yellow oh yes and yeah that's right that was a cracking away strip Nike mm-hmm. so my point is though Kev after we'll say Mizuno was there that's a footnote but after uh, Nakamura's success at Celtic and I know that we didn't buy him directly from the Japanese league, but we bought a Japanese player from the Italian league. But in terms of the fact that the talent came from the Japanese league, we didn't follow that up. 
And we didn't follow up until Kyogo Furuhashi came to the club, right? And the reason Kyogo comes to the club is because of Angie's incredible knowledge of that particular league in that market. Mm. Now that Angie's away, I think it would be really remiss of Celtic not to have somebody in that market. And I'm talking somebody in that headspace, somebody who can report back to the club. You know what? You've had six guys coming over. I would say at the moment, four of them, maybe three of them, have been mm-hmm. successes. It's a decent market for you in terms of the price. Does that just mean because Angie's away, we close the door on that, Kev? No, I think that, that would be a big mistake. It shouldn't now because we should be embedded into Japanese players' psyche that we look at this market and they can get a move to us and there's already a sort of culture there of like they're, they're, even though they're coming to a new country, new language, this and that, there's there's already a, a culture there and we've already, we've already got an interpreter and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Eh? Like these things, we mm-hmm. need to build on these things rather than just ripping it down and starting again. We need to, but we need to build on these things and this is what I'm talking about. There should be a structure there behind where yeah. it should be there. By the way, we've got guys in this market, we've got guys in this market, we've got guys here. If you're needing a speedy centre midfielder, there's a guy in Japan who'll go, by the way, have a look at this guy. A guy in Asia goes, oh, there's an, an, an Iranian guy who's got, who, who would actually fit that. and like Because they're coming to Scottish football. And I, I've always said that Ange Postacoglu's comments about Scottish football were not quite demeaning, but he knew what he says when he says the J-League was just less physical because somebody asked him would a Scottish player do well in the J-League and he actually said no he says no basically because he says the J-League's far more technical mm-hmm. than any Scottish player that he had seen maybe Callum McGregor could probably have went in there but overall he was saying that the Scottish League he gave, he gave the stock answer that oh, the Scottish League's more physical that was his stock answer mm-hmm. rather than saying a Scottish player could go to Japan and actually wrap it up he, he, he knew by that answer that what he was actually saying, like, no, the J-League's far, far, technically far better in Scotland. Yeah, but I agree with you. I think if um, we close the door on that market simply because we don't have the insight of an Ange Postacoglu, I think it would be a big mistake. No, How it's, do it's you do a that? massive mistake. Yeah. I mean, we spoke about making Nakamura an ambassador over there, you know, and I think we should have an ambassador um, at all times in Japan. I think we should have an ambassador in Australia. But the ambassador might not be a great scout, you know, but so get the best person possible to be that scout who knows the game inside out. Um, I mean, listen, we've got somebody in in here and I'm not touting on for the job, but somebody like Liam can tell you about any of the teams and any of the players Mm -hmm. in Japanese football. You send somebody over there with the scouting ability, Kev, and then they get the knowledge on top of that. You know, every single year, we might bring over their MVP, and if you do that and he's as big a success as Hatate has been or Maeda or Kyogo, you know, it's a matter of time before, you know, there's a saturation point with, with markets. Um, we've yeah, seen that we, in the past. But. We've, we've now got evidence that the top players in the, in, the, in the J-League can adapt to Scottish football, no problem. Mm-hmm. We now have evidence of this, so there's no way. I know, I know. There's a, a couple of a Japanese player at Hearts and that who hasn't really set the the, the, the head on fire, but he's lower down the pecking order than the ones that we were going for. So we can yep. now say, well, the top, the top, the top guys there can fit into our system, can actually play at our level that we actually need, mm-hmm. and that should be it. That should be end of discussion. 
We shouldn't be questioning it anymore because we've got hard evidence now that it actually works. Let's see if it continues, though. That that will yes. be the big, uh, you know, that will be the the uh, testing point in this this discussion. Andrew, you're on the YouTube. Looking forward to this. We reminder that, and I'm, the the reason I'm bringing this up is because I've seen a lot of this kind of chat on social media mainly referring to Brennan Rodgers as a rat. As the only Celtic manager to leave us mid-season, you mean Andrew, of course, of his own accord. There's been a few seconds. His football is rank, and his transfer skills are god awful. Now. There was a, a lengthy uh, Twitter thread that I read through with interest. Uh, I felt it was focusing on that dimension of Brendan Rodgers' time at Celtic. I've since seen quite a lot of people talking about it, some broadcasters talking about his football being rank rotten um, or tedious, uh, his recruitment not being that great, his performances in Europe not being that great. That's a one-dimensional way to look at Brendan Rodgers' time at Celtic, Kev. It's a one-dimensional way to look at Brendan Rodgers' time in management. Mm. Never mind, never mind at Celtic, even at Leicester. Um, understand where they are coming from. The, the two comments that you brought up, the first comment you brought up is the best name out there. That's true. Mm-hmm. That comment that you brought up, that that comment that you bring up, bring up as well, has got a lot of merit as well um, a, a lot of stuff that we would have to consider where I was this morning I, I think I'm, I said last week we shouldn't go back and but I still I would readily admit if Brendan Rodgers walks through that door he would get my support I will readily admit that he's the best name out there the best gettable name it seems out there but I didn't want us to go back um, I think as a club we have moved on I think bringing Brendan back is the same as what we've done with Poster Coglu. We're, we're giving the king the keys to everything. And I don't think that's how we should actually go for what I've spoke about in the last 20 minutes. Um, guess what it feels to me? It feels to me that we're looking at Brendan. If Brendan Rogers was an Oasis album, Paul. Brendan <laughs> Rogers was an Oasis album. He's what's the story of Morning Glory. Everybody loved it at the time. It was great. But when you go back and look at it, you go, mm, I'd maybe change that and I would maybe change that. But we all want um, to come back. We all want the band to reform and regain that sort of, like, what's the story, morning glory type thing with. And I think it's just been better late, left in the past. You brought up, as, you brought the Oasis stuff up, by the way, right? Just before mm-hmm. anybody starts saying, listen, leave the know, music was, chat out. It was, it was the only thing I could think of the day. I was, <laughs> I was thinking of, a, of a, like a Zeitgeist album that when you went back and looked, it was of its time. Well, and on that, that note. That, and that's how I'm getting the feeling about Brendan. That's it. But, I, that's... but I do absolutely admit he's the, he's the biggest gettable name out there. I'm going to ask you a few questions uh, in relation to that, right? Um, but if it's Oasis albums you're talking about, I think he's the third album because the third album was like his third season. He's driven the Rolls Royce into the pool. That's what he's done. He's be here now for me. Um, I'm going to ask you Invinci- simply... The Invincible season's the height of 95 and it's what's the story of Morning Glory and you can't go anywhere if you're here in Wonderwall. That's, 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 the, way I, that's the way I see it. Um, I'm going to ask you a simple question. I think it's a simple question. Right. Is he a better gaffer than Ange Postacoglu? Yes. Right. What do you think? I, I won't ask you to, to expand on that. I'll ask the commenters to come in. What is your view on it? I know that it's a multifaceted question in, in relation to style of play, I, 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 management, I, 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 recruitment. 
I need to put a caveat at though. Is he a better better manager at Ann Postacoglu at the moment? Yes. Yes, but because we haven't seen what Postacoglu can do in the top flight in England. Okay. Decent point. And by the way, that's another thing. If you want to look at uh, something that Alan Morrison was saying last week in relation to Rogers in um, the EPL, you know, coming within a, a slip of a, a league championship with Liverpool, um, his performance in the first three seasons at Leicester, very, very good when you look at it uh, for the where the club was. Um, and yet, you know, not, not too distant past, they have won the league. But in terms of a consistent... Um, finish within the top division in English football was the best record since the 1920s over three seasons. Mm. FA Cup European semi-final you can't just write it off and say it was a flop because season four nosedived right? So we'll get into a wee bit more of that. What's your thoughts in the comments? Do you agree with Kevin Graham? Is Brendan Rodgers a better gaffer than Ange Postacoglu? And I want to talk about the story itself. We've already spoken about it. It comes from Stephen McGowan. Stephen McGowan um, used to write for the Celtic View and he's often on the money when it comes to Celtic stories, Kev. I don't subscribe to the fact that they've got a Stephen McGowan bat phone at Celtic Park. And it just, uh, I don't believe that for a minute because I think if you say that, it's taken away a lot of the credibility from Stephen, who is a fantastic journalist. I think he's just very good at getting the scoop. Um, and he, when you see his name attached to the story, generally, I don't know about you, I think, all right, there's some legs in this. So let's talk about the source first. I think that's really important in relation to this story. It is, it definitely is. Um, the other boy at the Sun as well, David Frail, seems to be being spot on over the last couple of years as well. But as, I'm like you, as soon as I, I look every night to see what McGowan's saying, because I know it's probably got some semblance of truth to it. Um, than some of the other ones who just seem to be picking out names out of Tombola and hoping it hoping it sticks. Uh, I'm like you with McGowan, but he didn't want to do him a disservice by saying that he, he, he just gets leaked information from Celtic Park. We know that's not the way it sort of works. Sometimes it works like that. Sometimes they will get past something and, and get it put out. But I, with, with McGowan coming out and saying that the Michael Nicholson and the finance director, I can't remember his name. Um, is it the finance? The finance director went out to Mallorca to see Brendan Rogers. Why is the finance director going? Chris Mackay. Chris Mackay. Why is Why is Nicholson and Chris Mackay going? Out? Why is Chris Mackay there as the head? The, the as the finance director. I mean, surely then he needs your finance director to take him for a night out in the Dublin or in Santa Ponza, do you? I mean, <laughs> the one there and they're singing party songs, were they? They were obviously it's very specific. The story, very specific. Aye, aye, very. And you look at that, but as I say, and I underline this. Um, Steve McGowan gets the stories because he's a very good journalist. That's the difference. It's not about getting fed info. And I know, like you say, Kev, there are certain narratives the club want to get out there and they know how to do it. Um, and, I, you know, I really, I would say, I think the story has got legs. I don't think it's just fallen on his lap. I think he's gone out there and got the story. You'll have sources all over the place, Kev. You know, you'll have built them up over decades in the game. Uh, and like yourself, when I see his name attached to a Celtic story, I think, all right, there's something in here. There's, there's a bit of weight behind this. Um, I, I want to talk, Kev, because 
many, many times on this show, we've spoken about your Brendan Rogers Claxon because we've never stopped talking about him, Kev. No, we have Right? We haven't, we've never sp- stopped speaking about him since he came to the club. Um, and I want to talk about our relationship with Brendan Rogers. Anybody in the comment section, we will get around to some of the other names, actually, that are being considered. But we haven't focused like this for a, an entire show on Brendan Rogers. We have asked the question whether or not you know you'd have him back. But the reason we're focusing on it is because there is a lot of credibility to the, the, the source of this particular story. Uh, but our relationship with him, I'm going to go back to that January, Kev, before he left. And you and me are running about with a few dictaphones pretending that we were like content creators. Remember that? But the, th- the good thing about it is we knew we were pretending. We weren't kidding ourselves well, on, right? No, we weren't kidding ourselves on, no. We were like recording things on mobile phones and that and just pretending that, you know, and we're looking and, over our shoulder and everybody had all the gear. And, I, and apart for apart the guys for the Anfield rap, we were probably about 20 year older than all the content creators that were actually there. Aye, that's true. And what, what was it we did? It was, a, it was the Star Sixes, was it called? Star Sixes, aye. Was it at the Hydro in Glasgow, right? Yes. And what was happening is the people who were sponsoring the event wanted to sponsor us, so they invited us all along to meet us and this and that, gave us AAA passes, and we refused a few interviews. We'll get into that later. You, well, you refused a few interviews. But we'd done loads of interviews, didn't we, That that over that period? And one of them was Big Rambo, Alan McAnally. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Now, he was on the blog last week talking about how he felt it was uh, written in the stars that David Moyes would be the manager of Celtic. So he was kind of putting his eggs in that basket. Moyes goes and wins a European trophy. I think you can put a big cross beside his name. Um, now, I don't know if the European trophy would have made any blind bit of difference, Kev, regarding us pursuing him or whether he would come to Scotland at this stage. But he's not really in the equation now. But Big Ramble told us that Rogers was leaving, he was leaving for Leicester, and it was an open secret. Mm-hmm. And that was in the January, right? Beginning of January? I'd need to check the date. It was, it was in December. January. It was, was, it, was it earlier than January? Wow. Couple no, of months it was Jan- it, it, it was January. I, you're right. I, because the winter shutdown was on. I, it was January. It was the start of January. Right. Um, I start first weekend in January. I think we interviewed Danfield Rap that day. We got an opportunity, and we actually spoke about Brendan Rogers because they had the inside take on him as a Liverpool gaffer. We heard a lot of things that were concerns to them when he was in charge of Liverpool that had reared their ugly heads whilst he was in charge at Celtic. And so it came as no surprise when he walked out for us because we'd kind of been given that info. Um, so a month later when he walks, we were thinking, all right. But we didn't broadcast it because the stick we would have got at that point, Kev, in January, if we had said he's off on his way to Leicester, 
trying to chase a story, we'd have got a lot of stick for that, wouldn't we? Aye, I aye definitely. Aye, definitely. I felt. And, and from there, our relationship with Brennan Rogers soured as Celtic fans. And this is where I'm going with this. And it's all about, right, where are we now? I spoke about this, I think, about a week ago, about removing the emotion, if possible, as a football fan, removing the emotion from the decision. And if Brendan Rodgers is the best guy to come back and, and win us the league again this season and, and hopefully progress in Europe, then you you make that decision based on facts and based on ruthlessness, not on emotion. Is that possible? Is this? I'm, go, I'm going to flip this. It's maybe not an emotional decision for us anymore, saying that he's the best name out there and we can mm-hmm. understand why we're going for him. But is it an emotional decision for Dermot Desmond? An emotional decision for Dermot Desmond? A lazy decision for Dermot Desmond? And an emotional decision for Rogers thinking about coming back? Where if he had his hard business, he'd want to go up. I don't know. I should, I should go back here. Because what more can I actually do? I've already, I've, I've already failed, and unless he can turn us into a European force, which I'm sure that he probably, he'll probably back himself to do that. Do that. I think just seeing the name there, it's, ah, he's the best candidate out there, but it's a lazy candidate, and I think there's a bit of emotional here. Where there was a bit of emotion when he, when uh, Desmond appointed Gordon Stratton. He knew him. Mm-hmm. And O'Neill. Uh, and O'Neill. Yeah. And you've got. Neil Lennon, mm-hmm. uh, there, yeah. there's an emotional, emotional attachment there. Uh, they've been stung by Postacoglu, if you believe the story that's been getting put out there. That Well, you know, everybody knows the story. So are they going back to what they know? Are they just going, look, we'll go, we'll go back to, a, we can get this guy, it's comfortable and we know that we're getting a damn fine football coach. Are they making the? Are they? Could they be making the correct decision for the wrong reasons? Well, the, the point Lawrence made when he was on last week, and um, was that yeah, you know what, the circumstances around some of the appointments that you mentioned there might not have been the correct circumstances, but they were the right decisions because we mm-hmm. continued to dominate Scottish football. Eventually, in the first tenure under Neil Lennon, it's got to be uh, noted. Now. You say there, what more can he do? And I think it's a really good question because I think that there's a few things. What more can he do? He can repair the damage that he caused in relation to that um, relationship that he had with the Celtic fans, the relationship he probably had with Peter Lowell, Kev. So he can do that because at the moment that's never going to heal. That's an open wound, right? Oh, I... I think there are a lot of doubters out there. Even with 7-7 seven and seven being his trophy haul, there are still... Loads of doubters out there. You've seen it this morning. Um, High-profile broadcasters are coming out and saying his football was tedious. Uh, he done nothing in Europe. His recruitment was rubbish. Our commenter earlier on said something similar. So there's that. You go and you prove the doubters wrong. But I think bigger than all of that, Kev, Champions League. I think that's what more he can do. And I don't mean, and we'll get on to Matt O'Reilly's point of winning it. I don't mean winning it. I mean doing better in there. Because that's the one pop, the, the one part really. Come to recruitment later, I think in terms of performance, that's the one part that he didn't do that well in for me. But then, is 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 he looking? No, no, he didn't do well in Europe, and that is probably what some of the doubters are, are holding on to. Um, did can he make us a European team? 
we, we were quite vocal about it that he could never play the, the, the possession-based style that he wanted with the type of team that he had. That might have changed because Postacoglu's brought in a, a, the play for the back quite stuff and the players seem to suit it more than what they do, what they did on, under Rodgers anyway. Um, is he actually looking at what the support done to Lenny and going, that man has got loads, should have loads of kudos in the Celtic supporters bank and we... No, how did about but he can't what I mean, he can how it looked during that season and he's still not backing a lot of Celtic supporters good good books, is he looking at that? And but there's another question, somebody says this to me at the weekend. If he was a Celtic man, he should be actually charging down the door and yeah. going, Right, I've made a mistake here. I'm in. I'm going I'm going to prove he's all wrong. Going to put this right. I'm going to put this right. I'm going to bring up your point about lazy appointments. Now we have said it in the past, being asleep at the wheel. We've spoken about this, Kev, right? About the board being asleep at the wheel on a number of occasions in the last six years. Lazy, complacency, th- th- these kinds of words have been used by us over a number of different decisions that have been made. You bring Brendan Rogers in. Let- let's for a moment consider Rogers comes in. Rogers, one of the biggest things was obviously there, there was a clash in terms of what he wanted against what he'd probably agreed to when he took the job. And a big part of that was recruitment. And I remember we, we spoke about some of the players that he had tried to get whilst he was at Celtic. Um, and it would have been... Spania. Yeah, it would have been blowing our wage bracket out the window. It would have been blowing our, our, our spend out the window, Kev. But he had a same, the same issue, I think, at a certain point that Martin O'Neill had where he wanted to go again and he wanted to bring in another batch, and that other batch were going to be just as expensive, if not more expensive, than the last batch, and the club put the brakes on. Because remember, they did it with O'Neill. You look at that batch of players they bought in the first two seasons, big, big money buys. Not one of them, incidentally, did we make money back on. Not one of them, right? Because most of them left at the end of a contract for now. A player under Martin O'Neill's guidance, Stan Petrov, made a lot of money off him, but O'Neill didn't sign him. You know, so a lot of the players we brought in in terms of the recruitment, we got the best out of them, I think. We got probably the best out of mm-hmm. a lot of the players that we brought in, but we couldn't, in terms of a model, sell them as an asset and make money off them. And the club recognised this, and obviously the downsizing was part of, you know, maybe the last 18 months to two years of Martin O'Neill's time at the club, but also the introduction of Gordon Strachan as a manager and a completely different kind of, you know, base in terms of the amount of money we were spending on players at that stage. We use Bellamy as an example all the time. We could have signed Bellamy for five million. We go and get Nakamura, Boric, and Jarrett. Because it is an example. It's, it's the most. Yeah. It's a, it's a factual example. Mm-hmm. By the way, this is why this is what Strachan did. So yeah, absolutely. So Rogers comes in. So on the one hand, you're saying right, it's lazy. We know what he can provide. But knowing what he can provide is probably why it might be deemed as not being a lazy appointment because he's going to give these guys a right run for their money. He's going to be challenging them constantly to push the envelope in terms of recruitment and doing something in Europe. If that European aspiration is what, you know, at the forefront of his mind, Kev, I mentioned it earlier, that's maybe one thing he thinks, I need to prove myself there. He's going to need money. He's going to need to do it his way. He's going to have that plethora of staff that you spoke about earlier. He's going to want to bring the guys in as well. And this, I felt, what I thought was lazy earlier on with some of the, the comments I've been reading is 
the uh, a lot of the implementation of things that he brought to the club. People are not talking about that. People are not talking about, right, let's talk about the things that are quite hard to gauge, like culture, right, and mentality. He definitely changed that when he came into Celtic Football Club. But also data analysis um, and, and the conditioning of players, that was something that he really focused on, Kev, right, when he came in. And he had to at that time. He really had to. Um, and he, part of the, the culture and the mentality aspect is he actually had to get rid of a, f- a few guys who had been really important players to Celtic in the previous few seasons, one of whom that um, managed to prove himself who might have followed that, that trend with Scott Brown. Mm-hmm. And he continued at the club. So I, I know what you mean in terms of we know what he can do, we know what he can bring, but he's going to be a challenge for the Celtic board. He's really going to push the Celtic board, isn't he? He's obviously been a challenge by not being accepting whatever they're telling him right away. Right, look, the rumour. Well, let, let, let's get the, the, the rumour out of the way. They, they offered Ange Postacoglu quite a vast war chest. Let's let, let's use the let's use the cliche. The nineteen nineties headline. Yeah, Aye, the sub headline. Yep. Say, for example, I think I've read somewhere that was thirty million. The promised Ange Postacoglu with thirty million pound they spent, and they were going to build a swimming pool at Barrafield or whatever they were going to, <laughs> whatever else they were going to do. Rogers is quite right to go. I want that as well. If you were going to give that man it, you've got to give me it as well, because that's where we are. And Rogers doesn't get a free pass in Europe either now. Because the way I'm looking at it now, this is no year one under Brendan Rodgers if he comes back. No, this is year three under a certain evolution aside. And you're yeah. not getting a free you're not getting a free pass in Europe now. You don't need to rebuild this side. You just need to actually make certain points better for us to actually progress. So this is still year two. This is still year three. And you're not getting a free pass in Europe. Um Look, if you go back, it's all, it's all on record, Paul, what we says. Well, what I says, and I can only, I can only stick, stick by what I says, and I can only justify what I says. When they moved for Brendan Rodgers to Neil Lennon, it was wrong because of the cultures that he had brought into the football club. Yes, Lennon won a treble and all of that, but the club had moved on. And I'd somehow just get the feeling that Brendan, yes, he's the best candidate out there, Record-wise, name-wise, and we know what he can do, but how we're coming, how we're getting to this answer—it's like we're copying somebody else's work to get the right answer. I don't know if Brendan fits this club at this right moment in time. I mean, did Postacoglu have an ego? Does Brendan yeah. have an ego? Are the players going? To, I, I don't know. I, I really think that I just can't. I just didn't want to go back because I'm going to count that. Right, but aye, I'm, I'm going to No, you're not. You're not absolutely not. You asked the question about Ange having an ego. Ange's got an ego. Every football manager's got an ego. But did, but did they have that sort of? You like my belt? It's Gucci. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I like what it. It's almost like a parody. Yeah, there's a parody. Brendan Rogers. In fact, there's a great Twitter account, isn't it? It's um a, a Brendan Rogers. But you're talking about got, the belt, the, the terminado, the, the speaking to people in Spanish, all that stuff, right? Aye. That's three en- the three envelopes telling Stuart Armstrong that he's only got 132 paydays to go before his career's ending and stuff like that. Is a Celtic squad going to accept that? I do not know. I I, I, right. don't, I, 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 I don't know. It's just, yes, he'll bring in that professional culture or <laughs> he'll, he'll maintain the professional culture, which is already there, which is a massive, massive thing. 
But I think other coaches could do that as well if without maybe the baggage. Like, well, it's like it's like it's, it's like he's trying to get on a Ryanair flight with a 20, 20 kilo case. Did I tell you about the time I got on a flight with a library card? I didn't even had a passport. That's another story. And it did happen, by the way. Um, so when you're talking about Ange Postacoglu, right, leaving, Ange took a long, long time to get to his destination, his destination being Celtic Park, which was a platform for him to then move into the EPL, right? If we didn't realise that before, we they certainly know that that was part of the plan, right? It probably happened quicker than he expected. It certainly happened a wee bit quicker than you and I did. But we move on, and that's why we're talking about his replacement. In the interim period, right, of Brennan Rodgers leaving Celtic, I think what's happened is he might not have had this, the level of success, right, in the EPL, but what he has got is another four years of experience, Kev, that he's then bringing back to the club. So what he brought to the club, I thought, was incredible. And I wish, you know, and these are processes and, and these are routines and everything that he's picked up at his time at Chelsea and Liverpool and, and obviously Swansea, where he was a big success. And he's brought a lot of that professionalism and that culture to Celtic. And it's been implemented. It's not been continued, right? I think that, that much is clear. And the question that you, you you raise there, I think it's going to be a question regardless of who comes in. Are they able to work their style into the squaddy players that, that we've got in the in the dressing room? But I think what we have seen is the ones who were there, and by the way, there weren't many that started the Scottish Cup final who were there pre-Ange. There, there was an adaptability to them. So Callum McGregor, I'm, you know, he adapted, Craig Taylor adapted. And if you adapt, you'll be a success. And if you don't, you'll be replaced. I think that'd be the same with any gaffer coming in. But I think what you're maybe looking at is maybe a better version of Brennan Rodgers coming back. He's maybe a better manager. He's got another four years under his belt, Kev. Obviously, the, the final one was a very difficult one for him, but he's going to be learning all the time during that adversity as well. What he's doing wrong, what he could have done better. He wanted some time out of the game to consider that time away from the game to consider you know, his errors and all this kind of stuff. And then this presents itself. Probably it's as much a surprise to Brendan as Angie's resignation was a week week ago to us. And it's presented itself. And, and I'm not going to go too deep into it because we did that way to him. It didn't, it didn't come off. I'm not getting emotionally invested in whether or not he's going to be here, but we'll certainly discuss it. But I'm going to throw it back to you and say, you know what, we might be getting a better gaffer than we had first time round. And that would be great. And hopefully that's coming across in the conversations he's having with Dermot Desmond and like uh, Nicholson and stuff like that. You've got to say he's had another four years in the English Premiership. He got to a Europa Conference semi-final with a Leicester side as well. As he learned, you would hope that he's learned lessons. I think he's hopefully he's, he's learned lessons as well with the mistakes that he that that he that he had the last time he was at Celtic. Hopefully he's learned lessons with his transfers, like the Charlie Massondas and. Guys like that, Oliver Burks, and Oliver Burke played for Celtic. Let's just Kevin Oliver Burke. Oliver Burke a... is the most expensive Scottish footballer in the history I know, of I the know, game. I know, I know. If you accumulate all his uh, transfer dealings, by the way, I want to throw this in as well, right? I think by that stage we had Rogers Light. I don't think we had the Rogers that we brought to the club who walked out, who was so laser-focused, when the 13,000 Celtic fans turned up at Celtic Park, that was a guy who had a plan and, and he believed in his plan, Kevin. He had that incredible instant impact. 
after Lincoln Redimps, that is. That incredible instant impact. By the time we're signing Masonders and we're signing um, Benkovic, who, by the way, I, I think his head is out the door. And I think what he's doing at that point, Kev, is short-termism. I don't Aye. think he's planning for season four, five, six at that stage. And in actual fact, him leaving... Jeremy Tolan. Yes, right. And, you know, even Gamboa, right back, you know, Christian. Mm-hmm. I, I think... You can look at his recruitment and say, you know what, his recruitment tailed off. But I think that worked in tandem where where he was in the job. He'd already had that coming together between him and Peter Lowell. There'd been the blows between him and Dembele. There'd been the issue with Boyata at the AK Athens game, right? So we'd had all that before, a lot of the, the issues with the recruitment. Because up until a certain point, his recruitment was very good. So... The fields, were off the, the, the fields were off the bogey at that point, Yeah. <laughs> when, when you actually look at it. And again, this is hindsight looking at it. But then, are we getting that problem again? I mean, if if he gets everything he wants In theory, this, summer, though, this summer, or are we getting the Brendan Rodgers who realise that we're going to be the biggest job that he's ever going to get between now and the end of his career? And he goes, right, I've got to, mate, I've got to, that statue could still be there for me oh. if I do this right. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is it still under the uh, bubble wrap somewhere? Still at under, Park? He's probably got somebody to design his statue already. He's probably a goat one in the entrance <laughs> foyer of his uh, vast, you know, spacious home. But talking about Rogers and talking about the the transfer dealings and all the stuff that you know it started tumbling down by that stage. I don't think we've seen the real Brennan Rogers, but a massive part of that we know this was obviously the relationship breakdown between him and Peter Lowell, who at that time was the CEO who was um, very much an influence on footballing matters, even though he, he you know, generally wasn't meant to be on a day-to-day basis. And I'll go back to a story I was told by someone within the, the scouting network at Celtic who said that, you know, that I think it was maybe a weekly meeting that they had, Kev, and there were obviously a number of players in a number of positions and he was so invested. Because, you know, you, I'll go back to the Tierney story the introductory meeting where there's a PowerPoint presentation. This is Brendan Rogers. This is my staff. This is my expectations. No stone left unturned, you know. So when somebody was presenting a list of players for a specific area or whatever, he was he was so invested in, in exploring whether or not that guy was a right fit for Celtic. And there was a moment, there was a moment where that person who worked within the scouting network said he completely changed his approach. He was no longer interested. He wasn't interested in the players he was being presented with. Everybody was just, nah, nah, he's not going to make my team better. And there was an there was a distinct difference between how he had been and how he was. What was that moment? Was it John McGinn? I don't know. I don't know what the moment was, Kev. Maybe in the fullness of time, if he ever releases an autobiography, volume what, two. What, was, it we'll the scouting, it. was it the scouting report for Jack Henry, which says he was like Beckenbauer? Uh, Jack and Bill, I, I started calling after finding that out. Yes, um, was it that? It, it, it's probably down to two. It's probably down to Castagna and Jack and uh, John McGinn. I was going to say yeah. Jack McGinn. Now that, that's probably when 
then after that you've got the knocking back the nine million pid for Beata, uh, Boyata. Then you've got the the end charm hang as well when Paul seemingly off. And Craig Gordon, remember Chelsea were out in for Gordon. Aye, we could have made right good money off him. There's a lot of bad decisions made in a short period of time. Eh, when you, but again, this is hindsight when we actually look at it. Eh, but, but which is all we've got because that that is actual facts. So we have got. He has got a history of being troublesome. Eh, but it's depending on what mindset that he's coming in with this time. What's his I, will will he hold the fact that he needs to work with Mark Wall against what he's put Mark Wall's da done previously? Is that a, is that a major thing for him to overcome? It's uh, a consideration. It, it, it is a consideration, but my bottom line is I just didn't want to go back is because I don't think it works as well as the first time it done. I think we've been there, seen it, done it, and we're going to be having. When things go well or things start going wrong and we maybe start getting battered in Europe, the whole we're not going to get any surprises, I don't think. How short is the leash going to be? I think you're, you're getting to that point where even if you I, accept them, how short is that leash? How, how short is that leash going to be? There's going to be any surprises. We've been, there, we've been there with them before. It was utterly magic up until a point. Do we really want to go back there now? Well, he, is the best, he is the best candidate out there. I'm just, I'm always the saying that he, he didn't go back. You look at Billy McNeil came Mark. back. Double. Yeah, I'm saying, I'm saying, aye, but he was the only man that could take us into that centenary year. But this is completely different circumstances. Charlie Nicholas came back. He did score 30 goals one season, right enough. Andy Walker came back. Um, there's a whole load of Frank McAvenny came back. Emilio. Aye, uh, 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 well, there we go. I, 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 I just as a football and me as a supporter, right? I can't talk about the football football club structure or anything like that. Me as a supporter, I feel that yes, he's the best candidate out there, but I don't feel that he's right for us now. I've been okay. there, seen it, done it. It's not going to be entertaining. It could be poisonous. Can I ask you a question? Of the the managers since O'Neill, are there any other managers you'd have back? And I don't mean in terms of the character, I'm talking about the ability and what they could do. Because I've seen the names. The names have been mentioned. O'Neill, Gordon Strachan, these guys have been mentioned. Martin O'Neill, um, absolutely, I think in the future, should be a director of football somewhere. Uh, in terms of the management, I think that ship has sailed. Gordon Strachan's a busy, busy guy, as it is. And I don't think that coming back to Manage Celtic would ever be on his uh, radar. Uh, Ronnie Dyla, he's he's doing his own thing. He's you know creating Aye. his own path. I don't think he would go... Out of all of them, Lenny's already come back. He's not coming back a third time. Rogers is the only one in that batch of managers over the last 20 years, Kev, that I think would and could come back and be a success. Do you think, had he stayed, we would have won the 10 in a row? Yes. Aye, I, I've got no doubt about that. There's a few other things I want to talk about because there are loads of people coming in um, and a crazy Scotsman says, not a fan of Rogers, but I, out I of all the names I've seen, That's... I would rather have him. I understand that, completely understand where people are getting that fee. And if you walk through the door, I'd be like, right, fine. But me, what I would be, I'm going, I didn't want to go back. I think we've moved on. 
I do think it could be a poisonous tenure if he does come in and it starts going pear-shaped quite quickly, or we get to a point a year down the line where I do think there's an element of it that could explode very, very quickly with the support, and I would rather not go there. And I've, I've been there, seen it, done it. It's like reading a book again, eh? Like you, just, you, already, you, already, you already know the ending, eh? Let's move on. Let's let's give somebody else, a, a, somebody we haven't got a clue about, and we haven't, that, that we didn't have any sort of intrinsic knowledge about. And so let's see what you can do. Let's be surprised. What, what's the point of walking the same path your, your whole life? Well, let's, I think... Instead of going to the right, go to the left. Let's, the the let's, tension let's around everything that. you've described, that, all that tension around Brendan Rodgers coming back, I think makes it a completely different experience this time round. Because I remember the last time, 13,000 at Celtic, but it tells us lies lie. and we'll believe it, even though you're going, wait a minute, nobody does that with a Celtic scarf, Brendan. You've never been to Parkhead, have you? And all that stuff, you knew that, but you were putting that to the back of your mind. This time round, our approach to him is going to be completely different, Kev. So the experience oh, yeah. will be different. He comes back in and there's no, there's no leeway right away. There's no leeway got You need to get this right, pal. Mm-hmm. You have got to get this right, and you've got to get it right at the highest level. It's incredible how there's many there, people are just are, are making comparisons between Rogers and an ex-girlfriend. There, there's no honeymoon period now. Right, here we go. Knutson is available. Every manager is available. I'm going to run through some of the names that I've seen over the last week or so, Kev. I want a yes or a no from yourself and a very quick reason why. So when I was getting asked yeah. the question, I got asked, Scott Brown, I says, not yet. That was my... He might turn into a fantastic manager in the future. Right now, this is now the job for him, right? Enzo Maresca. Yes. He's, he's working with the best team in Europe. Knows how to handle big players. Style of football. Pep Guardiola rates him. I didn't see many downsides. Did they find his old fella? Yes. After the game. Good. Um, Daniel Farke. And by the way, this is a name who is well known to uh, David Slight, who follows German football really closely, Kev. Obviously, previously with Norwich City, most recently with Borussia Mönchengladbach. He is a name that I think um, came to the fore over the weekend. He's a candidate. Do you like the look of this guy? I, I would like the look of this guy if it was a rebuild that we needed, but right. not not the position that we're in at this precise moment in time. I don't think he's the type of coach that we actually need. He's a decent coach. Yes, I'm glad, glad we're looking at names like that, but I think right man, wrong time, maybe. Knutson, right? How do you pronounce his first name? Is it Shettle? Shettle-Nutson. I I said last week that would take him because I think he would be a seamless transition to what's already there. He has has a risk because... Well, no, it's not really a risk because I I think the problem that we've got there, he seems very, very unwilling to leave Bodo. Mm. There seems to be something there. He's no longer in the running for Ajax. He he out-postacoglued, postacoglued when we played them. So, basing it on that, you would take him in a heartbeat. Francesco Farioli. I love that. This guy, this guy, this sort of appeared for anywhere, a 34-year-old. Uh, Italian Italian coaches seem to be in vogue all around Europe after De Zebra, uh, De Zebra, I called him Zebra, the, De Zebra at, at Brighton and what he's done with Brighton and all the guys that have worked with him all seem to be getting put in a position. 34-year-old, he's got experience working in Turkey, very, very highly rated. 
Aye, I, I could be on board completely with something like that, but that's just me. <laughs> that's just, I could be on board. Because I think he would suit the squad. Mm. I think he would suit the squad. And he would, aye, I, I'm, I'm, I'm completely on board with that. It's the same with Maresca as well. I've seen a couple of things about Maresca and I'm going, he's working with Guardiola. He's working with, he's working with, like, top, he's working with top players. He's working with top egos. He's putting, I, he puts the cones out for Guardiola. He's maybe a bit more hands on. I mean, he would gain the respect of that dressing room as soon as he walked in. But is he a manager? He uh, well, is, that's, he a manager? That's, is he a manager? But do we need a manager? Do we not just maybe need a coach? Who I knows? Think you need, but, I think you need a figurehead because even you know when Ange was talking about the the role of John Kennedy. Uh, and that that is something as yet unresolved, the future of John Kennedy. And he was talking about the work that he did. Even when you look at the way Martin O'Neill, and we spoke about this to Martin a couple of months back, how the makeup of his backroom team was so, um, you know, disengaged, if you like, on a day-to-day basis that he wasn't on the training ground training the, the players. Kevin left that to John Robertson and Steve Walford. And, you know, and, and he used them all, almost as buffers between the, the playing squad and himself. Sometimes he would talk to you in the corridor, sometimes he wouldn't. So mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, the figurehead, the gaffer, is one thing. Maresca, I like the idea of him as a coach, Kev. I like the idea mm-hmm. of him as a coach. I like the idea of Ronnie Dyla as a coach of Celtic. I never, ever thought he, should, he, he had it in him to be the manager. And I said that, well, you know, I said that at the time about Ronnie Dyla. Well, what, what I'm liking about Maresca and Fravoli is, and Fark even, that they're on a list. Mm. They are not, we're not looking at, we're not talking to Owen Coyle's granny, we're not talking to Davy Moyes, we're, we're not shopping about some championship club. We're actually looking at young, up-and-coming coaches in Europe. A lot of that, it's, okay. it's, it's almost as if we've got a database that we can tap into and go, who should we actually be watching here? Eh? Uh, and I'm quite chuffed about that. But if it ends up being Brendan Rodgers, I'm always going to have doubts how we came to that answer. Well, it's, even if we do come to that answer, as you say, we're going through the process. And I think the two names, uh, David Moyes and Graham Potter, have been scored off the list um, for a number of different reasons. West Ham are not going to sack Moyes after he's won their first trophy since EastEnders started. And uh, Potter is probably still getting paid a king's ransom for Chelsea and will back himself to get the first Premiership job that comes up on 31st of August this year. West Ham did win the Intertotal Cup in 1999. Never forget that, all right? Um, Talking to uh, Les Watts, that's a very West Ham kind of name, talking about EastEnders. Le Petit Merd nearly came back. Coronation Street. Watts? Watts. Curly. I'm thinking of Curly. Curly Watts. Celtic fan, that is Corey. I get mixed up. Oh, Battersby. The guy's guy's name. You're thinking of Les Battersby, aren't you? Les Battersby. Ah, you're right. Curly, eh? Curly Watts. He was a Celtic fan. He was, aye. Big pals with Sean Ryder as well. So, yeah, he did nearly come back. The reason I brought that up, actually, because Roy Aiken's going to be our special guest in July, Kev, I've been looking back at the old um, British newspaper archive in relation to, you know, various moments in his Celtic career. And you do forget a lot of this stuff because it isn't generally available online, you know, and if it's not online, it never happened kind of thing. But when he went down to Newcastle, half a million quid, it was Jim Smith that bought him, right? half a million pounds, took him down to Newcastle, installed him instantly as the captain of the club. 
When Smith gets sacked, they bring in Ozzy Adilas. He doesn't rate big, big uh, Roy Aiken. He doesn't rate Roy Aiken. So Aiken's at the side. He's looking for a move back to Scotland. Who's the first team that's in for him? Rangers. Celtic. Celtic tried to buy him back. 200 grand, mate. 200 grand to bring Roy Aiken back up. And that would have been 1991. And Liam Brady was the gaffer. By this he stage, went Ab- he went to Aberdeen. Eh? He went to Saint Mirren. David Hay was the Mirren. manager. I went to Saint Mirren. I, I think had he come to Celtic at that point, at that point under Liam Brady, Roy Keane would have been Celtic's manager eventually. I don't think he'd have left the club. He would have probably taken yeah. over for Liam Brady as a manager, and the history would have been completely different. That's a sliding doors moment, and I know you like these kind of things, Kev. Yeah. Um, Look, I've got loads more to discuss. We're going to have to discuss it tomorrow, ladies and gents. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. We've ran over a wee bit. Um, 1,600 strong in the live stream, which is sensational. If you want to come and see us live, we're going to be at Barazat Design at the end of the month with Gordon Strachan. Ticket link under the video. This one will sell out. Um, And if you like what we do, give us a thumbs up, subscribe on the YouTube, and join us again tomorrow at 12.30. All that's left for me to say is thank you, Kevin Graham, for joining me on a Celtic State of Night. Thanks, everybody. Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.